0: Well, good morning again, Summit, and welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning tuning in, and maybe you've joined us uh, from from afar, from, from other places, and thank you for tuning in as well. We have a date, in case you haven't heard uh, yet, July 12th is when we're going to begin to regather. There's information about that. Um, out there on our, on our website and Facebook page, I'm sure, and, and we're, we're working on even more information. So stay tuned for all of that, but circle July 12th in your calendars if you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable, we're going to continue offering a virtual platform. Uh, so just know that, um, and so take your time and, and uh, come back when you feel safe and, and ready. We encourage that. We're going to continue in the book of Haggai today. And I'm excited to walk through this message with you. We're going to jump a little bit. We're going to do verses 5 and 6 and then 9 through 11. So I want to read it and introduce the theme uh, for us today. So Haggai 1, 5 and 6, it says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider... Your ways now. Now let's let's see why Haggai is saying. Now, therefore, he says in verse four. We talked about it last week. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Remember, that's a little bit of a dig. Those were the houses that the kings would have built in that time. So these these nice houses. Is it time for you to dwell there? While this house, my house, the temple, lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested. Little you eat, but you have never, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. And we're going to skip down to verses 9 through 11. We'll hit 7 and 8 next week. He continues, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why declares the Lord of hosts? because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, and on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast, and on all their labors. Now, a couple things I want us to remember here before we go into what we're looking at today Haggai is calling the people from God to rebuild the temple, right? 50 years have passed, 54 years or so have passed, and it's time. And the folks had gotten comfortable living in their paneled houses. Now, New Testament temple is us. We are the body. We are the temple. And so we are going to personalize this. We're going to look at this um, inwardly. But also, we want to think about the church, right? The church of God today and looking at rebuilding that, resetting that, and, and, and what Haggai would have to say to us when it comes to that. So today, we talked last week about putting God first, first, right? And resetting our priorities and not just living in our paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins. And today, the point that Haggai is making is believing God's promises. Somebody say believing. Awesome. Okay so believing God's promises has has, there, has anyone ever broken a promise to you I want you to think about that for just a second right um or or maybe maybe we can get real vulnerable here have you ever broken a promise to somebody I was thinking about this this past week um um and and the girls uh wanted me to go swimming one day and and I it was it was in the morning and I had I had a busy day and I said you know what by the end of the day i 'm going to want to jump in the pool, and so yeah i'll I'll go swimming with you and um and I might have even said, you know I promise I'll jump in the pool with you or something like that and And the day went on, it got crazier and crazier as it went on, and never got in the pool now i don't think the girls remembered or noticed right Um at least they didn't say anything, they're remembering now, and they're probably giving me a look in the living room uh, if they're awake, um, but, uh, but it's Father's Day, so hopefully they're awake, happy Father's Day to, to all the dads, um, uh, by the way, but, um, you know, and and so I was thinking about that because I was preparing this message, and was thinking, man, isn't it awesome that we serve a God that doesn't break His promises, isn't it, oh, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've broken promises. People have broken promises to me. Again, well-intentioned, not meaning to, just like, I mean, I didn't mean to. I wanted to get in the pool. I just ran out of time and daylight. By the time I was interested in getting in the pool, it was a little cooler and chilly outside, and it wouldn't have been in anyone's best interest for me to jump into the pool but well-intentioned, right? Good-hearted promises that folks make to us and that we make to others or that we make to our kids or that we make to our spouses or that we make to our bosses or 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 employees or or whatever the case may be and it doesn't happen. It doesn't come to pass. Uh, I'll never forget, I went out to Idaho one time to help my brother uh, move, and he he promised me all these things. If you come out and help us get the house ready and help us move, I'll take you whitewater rafting, we'll go play golf, all these different things. None of it happened. You know what I saw in Idaho? Home Depot. Repeatedly. Over and over again. Right? And I remind him of that, right? Just to remind him that he's not perfect, because I believe that's my job as his brother. Okay? God has gifted me with that ability. Um, but... But he and he does the same for me um, but but I was thinking as I was preparing this and thinking about not getting in the pool and thinking about other examples, and thinking about isn't it awesome that we serve a God who we can trust his promises now. It may not always be the way we want it. He may not always promise us and, and, and the outcome be in the way that we see, right? Like, like the way that God defines good may not be how we define good, that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? We may not define good in the same way as God, but he is delivering on his promises. Is it all right if I preach this morning? We serve a God that's faithful to keep his promises. And we, in response, believe and trust his promises. And so Haggai's second admonition here, again, the first one was put God first, first, right? His second admonition here invited people to examine their lifestyle, to examine their lives, to examine their actions in the light of the covenant of the promise that God had made with them. So to examine ourselves in light of the covenant, how are we at believing the promises of God? How are we at trusting the promises of God? And so Haggai knew, God knew through Haggai, right, that rebuilding the temple was going to be a big deal. It was going to take a lot of effort. 16 years, uh, like we said, it it took him, we said last week it took him, right? Long time effort, right? Many times, I can imagine, many times, I'm sure people wanted to give up, throw in the towel, you know, weren't weren't believing in the promises of God. Think about the Israelites with Moses and how many times they lost heart. In particular, my favorite one was when Moses was on the mountain meeting with the Lord and the people were down in the valley and they said, as for this Moses, we don't know what's become of him. As for this Moses, that guy that led you by the hand of God, out from under Pharaoh's rule, out from slavery, as for this Moses, that's what you think of him? But how, how many times do we, in tough times, lose heart like that? And people that we know, and people that we love, and people that we trust, and things that have been made to us, we discount because of the pressure of the time, because of the pressure of the season, because of the temperature of the moment. And this invites us to examine, invites the readers here and us today to examine our lifestyle in the light of the covenant God made. So I want to I want to point out a couple of words here that jump out to me in these in these verses. Verse five. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Consider if you're taking notes. Write that down. Consider this word translated. Consider it means literally to give careful. Thought to now, but pause. We talked last week about time, right? And 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 how uh, you know sometimes today it feels like the 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 biggest thing that we can give, the most valuable thing that we can give to something is time. Can I can I just pause here and say to give careful thought to takes time to examine ourselves in 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 the way that that God is calling us to examine ourselves here in light of the covenant that he's made with his people with his church, right? Takes time. This isn't something that you just give a quick thought to and continue going, right? But this is something God wants you to ponder. This is something God wants you to process, consider your ways in light of my covenant. Consider your ways in light of my promise. It was time for the people here to do some serious self-examination before God. Am I living in a paneled house while the house of God lies in ruins? Right. God's calling them to consider their ways, to consider their actions. Are they that person? Right, not not do they know that person, right? Because we're great at the L-shaped amen and say, "Oh yeah, man, I hope this person's listening because they really need this message." Right, they are living in their paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins. They need to wake up, right? How many times, right, have we done something like that? That's not what God's talking about here. He's saying self-examination. Take time. It was time for them to do some serious self-examination before God. Here's why. Because God's covenant clearly stated, clearly stated, clearly stated in light of rebuilding the temple, in light of the call here, that He would bless them for their obedience. That He would bless them for their obedience. If you want to look at The whole theme of the Old Testament, I think think I've said this before um, here, not while we're virtual, though. (laughs) The whole theme of the Old Testament is that there's blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience. It's the whole theme. It's what we see all throughout, judges all, all throughout the whole Old Testament. Blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience. Why is that the theme? It's God's covenant. He clearly stated that he would bless them for their obedience. He clearly stated that. And so he's calling them to self-examination around where they stand with the covenant of God. That he had made with them that he would bless them for their obedience. But indeed, we read that their strength was in vain. Their strength was spent in vain. Their best time, their best efforts, their best resources were spent in vain. They sowed much. They reaped little. When they ate and drank, they weren't filled or satisfied. We're going to come back to that in just a few minutes. Their clothing didn't keep them warm. Their income didn't cover their expenses. I love the way that Haggai puts it there. He he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. It disappears, right? That we You know, you, you, you get paid uh, at the pay period and then all of a sudden it just, it just disappears. Bag with holes. I love the way that Haggai put that. But look at verse 9. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. Here we see it again. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself With his own house, therefore, the heavens above you withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld has withheld its produce. Obedience, right? Obedience. See, the Jews returned to the land in obedience to the Lord, and they thought that He would give them special uh, blessings because of their sacrifices. But but they were disappointed. Why? Why? Because. The house of God still lied in ruins. And their sacrifices were in vain. They were were just doing it in the checklist, right? They were just doing... They just had the checklist mentality. I'm just doing this, right? And And the heart, the heart wasn't changed and they were disappointed once more Haggai revealed the source of their trouble that the people were busy building their own houses and had no time for the house of the Lord had the nation believed what God promised in his covenant they would have been they would have been blessed and they would have obeyed him they would have obeyed him and been blessed but here's what we have to warn against here's what we have to warn against what Haggai's calling here, right, under the Spirit of the Lord, what Haggai is calling for here is not, somebody say it's not, okay? It's not a business arrangement, okay? It's not a business arrangement, right? I give you this, I get this. I know sometimes it sounds like that, right? I give you my obedience, and in return, right, you're gonna give me blessing, right? It's not a business arrangement. We've got to be careful to not turn our faith into a business arrangement. We've got to be careful not to turn this thing that we do here, this, this thing called church, this thing called relationship with God, communion with God, you know, all, all of these things, right, into a business arrangement. I'm going to give you my obedience, and I'm going to get a ticket to heaven. Okay? It's not what this is about. Okay? Okay? It's not what it's about. Um, we've got to be careful not to turn our faith into a business arrangement, for our obedience should be the evidence of our love and faith. Because of my obedience to God, it dictates how and why I do some things. Right? Spending my time, going to certain places, you know, the way I spend my money, the way the way I care for my wife. And kids, the way that the, uh, the the way that I carry myself in the community, the you know all all these all these different things, right? Our obedience should be the evidence of our love and faith, of our love and faith. Somebody wise once said, "If you give because it pays, it won't pay." I love that. If you give because it pays. It won't pay. Our obedience is not in response to a checklist. It's not in response to a business arrangement. It's in response to our heart and love and passion for God. Our heart and love and passion for God. I want to look at Matthew chapter 5, very popular section of Scripture, and I just want to read these. Right, because because for some of us, you may not know some of the promises of God, and this is a great place to start. This is a great place for us to start. I just want to read through these, talk about them, then I'm going to jump over to Second Corinthians chapter eight, and we'll and we'll close. But uh, Matthew chapter five, it's the Beatitudes. Jesus is beginning the Sermon on the Mount, longest recorded message in Scripture, and 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 Jesus and Jesus, um, it it says in some commentaries that he as he was walking along. Big crowds followed him. He just sat down in the middle of the field and people gathered around him and he started sharing this Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if it's true. I wasn't there, um, but, but, but some people uh, record that and say that that would have been the, the case here. But it says, Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, opened his mouth, taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a promise. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I once did an entire like eight to ten week sermon series on this on this on the Beatitudes, just this section of scripture that we're gonna fly through right here. So so there's a there's a lot here, and you could go, you could dig deeper if that serves you. I pray you do so into these promises. But I just I just want to read them from a 40,000 foot view and show you some of the promises of God here from the mouth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something this morning. We talked about it back when we were preaching through our vision statement. We have got to have a kingdom perspective with everything, with COVID, with everything and the injustices and all of the things that are happening around. We've got to have a kingdom perspective. All people, Jesus died for all people. Jesus loves all people. Jesus has called his church to to evangelize and to reach out to all people. For God so loved the World, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom perspective, kingdom mind. Of verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We've had we've had at least four, maybe five uh, families very recently that have lost a loved one. Six, uh, going back to, to 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 the Mosley family, Marian Mosley, and and all of that. And, and 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 we hear a lot about the peace of God, the comfort of God, right? And Blessed are those who mourn. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. Give yourself that permission to walk into that season, right? Mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve, weep with those who weep, right? We're called to do that as the church of Jesus, to walk in those seasons, right, with these families and with each other as we're grieving different things and mourning different things. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The peace of God that surpasses understanding will fall in comfort over you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Haggai was talking about how they ate and they were never filled. They drank and they were never satisfied. Here Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness And they shall be satisfied. What a promise in the scriptures. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The heart motive, the pure in heart. Not the agenda, not the checklist. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see experience. Walk with God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There we see kingdom of heaven again. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen to me, church. Jesus goes on to say, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Many, I, I, think, I think many of us struggle with the promises of God because of that right there. Rejoice and be glad, Matthew 5.12, for your reward is great in heaven. Many of us want to walk and live in the reward now. And we're struggling. And we're losing heart And we're ready to give up because we're not experiencing the promises of God, the reward now. Listen to me, Kingdom Perspective, cling to the promise of God that your reward is great in heaven. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep knocking on the door of God's heart because I believe He's knocking on yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. I say this I say this not as a command, Paul, to the church at Corinth, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That's the gospel. That Jesus made a way for us to be rich. Not in the things of this world, but in the kingdom of heaven. But in the kingdom of heaven. And that is a promise that we can believe in. That is a promise that we can trust. This is a God that has never, has never broken his promises to us. Again, they may look different, they may smell different, they may feel different, they may sound different. but it's not broken. I say this not as a command, not a business arrangement, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Here's my question for you this morning, church. Where do you need to claim the promises of God over your life right now? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness for they should be satisfied. Maybe you're not satisfied. Maybe you're not comforted. Maybe not, you, I mean, go back to that Matthew 5 and, and, and read those, those promises again. Find, find other promises in the scriptures, right? Where do you need to claim the promises of God in your life? To believe them, to trust them. Because we serve a God that never fails. And so my prayer for you today, my prayer for me today, my prayer for us today is that as we go, we'd walk in the promises of God, that we trust, that we'd believe And that we put our faith in His promises. Can't wait to talk next week about the next admonition here in the book of Haggai. But let me pray for you around the promises of God. And we'll sing and then I'll come back and close this. Father, I pray that for the person right now, sitting in the living room, driving in the car, sitting in an office, wherever, God, that... That just wants to give up. That wants to throw their hands up. Maybe on a relationship. Maybe on a marriage. Maybe on maybe on a on a, on a son or her daughter. Maybe on a job. Maybe on a church. That just wants to throw their hands up and say, hey, "Where are you at in this?" God, I pray that they'd claim, proactively claim your promises over their life. That they'd walk in obedience. That they'd walk in faith. And that they'd claim your promises over their situation, over their loss, over their grief. God, that you'd comfort, that you'd restore, that you would give joy, that you'd give peace. God, I pray that we would walk in your promises today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together.